Thank you so much. Good morning. Happy Family Day weekend. How many people know Sunday is fun day? Am I right? We have fun. And thank you, Pastor Brad and worship team, for leading us in worship. Could you thank them? They're doing an amazing job. And we are just so, so glad that we can just come and worship God. Well, I want to give a shout-out welcome to our online church. We literally have hundreds of people in our city, our province, our nation, around the world that join in every Sunday. And we're just so glad that you're part of this morning worship experience. How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, how many people? Come on, that's not good. How many people are really, come on, how many people are really, 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 really ready for God's Word? I've learned when you love God, you love His Word, and we're going to explore God's Word this morning, believing that God's going to bring life and application to each one of us. Well, we're in a sermon series that we're calling Unlikely. It's our February sermon series, and the word unlikely simply means improbable, not expected to happen. And we've been exploring some unlikely stories from First and Second Samuel. On the first Sunday, we looked at that story of David and Mephibosheth. And uh, illustrated message, it's online, you can watch it, download it, it's all there. Last Sunday, we looked at an unlikely encounter of David and Saul in a cave, how to behave in a cave. And uh, we explored some teaching there. This morning, we're going to look at an unlikely friendship, and we're going to look at the story of David and Jonathan. We're going to see some amazing symbolism, and we're going to see some application to our lives today. So let's get right into God's Word there are notes on the back of your bulletin. I want to take you to 2 Samuel chapter 1. And in 2 Samuel chapter 1, David is lamenting. I mean, because his best friend Jonathan had died in battle. And he's grieving it. And he's pouring out his heart to God. I want to take you to verse number 26. And in verse number 26, he said, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. I'm grieving for you. I'm broken up. I'm messed up on the inside. I'm aching on the inside. You're my brother, Jonathan. There was a brotherhood between David and Jonathan. He said, you were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. There was a kindred spirit. There was a friendship. There was a bond. There was a connection. And uh, there was this godly connection. And he uses this Hebrew way of expressing it. And he's talking about this heart of kindred spirit that they had for each other. And I want to I show you this morning four glimpses of encounters between David and Jonathan. I want to bring some application, drive it home, and bring some truth to us today. I'm just going to give you four words, and I think it's going to make sense to you as we bring this together. The first word that I want to bring to you is number one, commitment. And I want to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 18, because in 1 Samuel chapter 18, you begin to see a little glimpse of the friendship between David and Jonathan. 1 Samuel 17, David had taken down Goliath. You remember the story, don't you? David's the young shepherd boy. He goes to Saul. He, Saul puts on his armor, and he said, I don't want to wear that. He keeps on his shepherd robe, gets his slingshot stone, takes down seven-foot-plus Goliath, and, uh, and he comes back, and there's a victory. And in 1 Samuel 18, we begin to see the connection between David and Jonathan. Look at verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Saul's the king, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Jonathan became one in spirit. Let me give you a better translation of that. The ancient Hebrew actually says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. 
I thought about knitting. Anybody in the house, you ever, ever done some knitting? Anybody? Lift up your hand. You ever done some knitting? You know, knitting? My grandma would sit in a rocking chair, and she'd put on that German look, and she would be knitting socks for me for Christmas. Every Christmas, I would get nice wool socks from grandma or nice wool, brand new mittens every single year. And when you're five, six, seven years of age, you do not want socks. You do not want mittens for Christmas. But it wasn't the socks. It wasn't the mittens I loved. It's what she put into the sock and what she put into the mittens. She put money into it. And she would put all these coins. Like, yeah, coins. And we'd be over at Grandma's house, and we'd see her knitting. And she was so good. And she, you know, she could look. I don't know how you do it, ladies. You'd, you'd knit. You wouldn't even look. And yeah, 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 knitting away. And sometimes when she got talking so much, one sock would end up bigger than the other sock. Sometimes one mitten, the thumb was larger than the other. And we just laughed it off. That was grandma. And she loved to knit. Sometimes she would get different colors. And she would knit other colors into other colors. I don't know how you do it. Uh, it's amazing watching grandma's knit. And so the Hebrew word says here that the heart of Jonathan was knitted. It was knitted to the heart, to the soul of David. There was a connection. There was a bond. There was a a connecting together. It was like, it was deeper. It's actually deeper than a commitment. It was a covenant. So let's read about it. It says here, David, put verse one back on the screen. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David And he loved him as himself. You will never read that David loved Jonathan as himself, but you will always read that Jonathan loved David as himself. Here's the deal. You can't give what you don't have. And Jonathan understood a love of God, and he gave the love of God to David. And he was able to connect with David and and be a friend to David and come alongside David. We always talk about David in the Bible. I mean, David is mentioned in the Bible more than any other name other than Jesus. David had a heart after God, but we're going to discover today what helped David be David was Jonathan. And every David needs a Jonathan. And Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David, and he loved him as himself. He gave unto David. Let's go to verse 2. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. Now, verse number 3 is dripping with symbolism, and it's, it's Old Testament. And I'm going to do my best to bring it together. It'll probably make more sense at the end of the message. So you've got to stay with me on this. But in verse number three, it says, Jonathan made a covenant with David. It actually reads, Jonathan cut a covenant with David. And the Hebrew word is very specific, cut a covenant. Because in those days, there's times they would literally cut an animal in two and walk between the animal. They'd cut an animal, walk between it as a symbol of a covenant of friendship. Sometimes they would even cut the wrist. And they would let a little blood mingle with each other, and they would shake hands. So we understand, cut a covenant. Now, we don't know if Jonathan and David did all that. But we do learn in verse number 3, Jonathan made a covenant with David, and a covenant was eternal. Why did he make the covenant? Because he loved him as himself. Now, look at verse 4. We learn there's a number of things that Jonathan did. Number one, he took off the robe he was wearing. And now, Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And because he was the son of King Saul, he's the prince, daddy's the king, he's next in line to king, and he's wearing the princely robe that symbols that he's next to be king. And David, David, when he fought Goliath, remember Saul put on his armor and he said, I don't want to wear this, I just want to wear what I normally wear. David is probably wearing his shepherd robe, this old, smelly, 
shepherd robe that smelled of sheep. It smelled dirty. It's, it, was, it was probably just old. And Jonathan takes off his kingly robe and gives it to David. He said, I want you to wear this. I want you to put on the king's robe. Stay with me. It's all going to make sense at the end of the message. And giving him the king's robe, it's like he was saying, I hope you go farther than me. I, I'm not jealous. I want you to, to go farther than me. I'm going to celebrate you. Put on the king's robe. And, and he gave it to him. Then secondly, he gave him his tunic. The tunic in those days was like the linen undershirt. Now, can you imagine me today saying, I want to give you my undershirt? And it doesn't make sense. You won't want it. It's a very personal item to me. You don't want my undershirt. But I think there's a symbolism that in friendships, deep friendships, you share personal things with your closest friends. You could be sitting here today with, with, with hundreds of people and still feel lonely. You could have a lot of followers on social media and still feel lonely. And I tell you, everybody needs somebody that you can unpack your personal needs with and share with them all that you're going through. A friend walks into your life when everybody else walks out. And the tunic represents the personal things of our life. He gave him the robe. He gave him the tunic. Then it says even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, you might be wearing a belt today, guys, but I hope you're not wearing a sword today. I hope you didn't walk into church with a sword. And you don't have a bow. I'm sure you don't. But in those days, warriors would always carry a sword tucked into their belt. And they'd always have a bow strapped around their back. The sword was the weapon of a, of a warrior for closeness. When you're fighting someone close, you would have a sword. When you're fighting someone at a distance, you would shoot the arrow because the arrow would go far. So the sword represents closeness and the bow represents distance. And the belt is what they would wear that would hold the sword. But I'm told that the belt would also have leather strips that would go down the body to protect the lower parts of the body. And so when Jonathan gave David his sword, his bow, and his belt, he was saying to David, I trust you. You can take my weapons, and I'm not worried that you're going to attack me. I can trust you with my sword. When I'm up close to you, I can trust you. And when I'm walking a distance, I'm not afraid you're going to shoot an arrow at me. I, I trust you. You will, you will cover me. You will protect me. And true friends protect one another up close and at a distance. I want us to be a church that never speaks words of death, but always speaks words of life about each other. Somebody, this is your moment to shout a little amen. Come on, how many people want to be a church that speaks words of life, not words of death? Everybody in the house said amen. Now, let me give you a nugget of truth. If someone is in your presence speaking negatively about someone else, you can rest assured that they're probably going to speak negatively about you to someone else. We have to speak words of life up close and words of life at a distance. We have to cover each other's back. We've got to say, I will protect you. I will cover you. I believe in you. And so David gave him his robe. David gave him his tunic. David gave him his sword. He gave him his bow. And he gave him his belt. And he makes this covenant with Jonathan. Or Jonathan makes this covenant with David. And, and he loved him as he loved himself. Number one, a commitment. The second word that I want to offer to you, and this is the second time 
there's, there's a, a glimpse in the window of David and John. It's all going to come together in a bit, so stay with me. The second word I want to give to you is protection. And in chapter 19, verse 1 down to verse 7, we see the covenant that Jonathan made with David lived out. Now, in chapter 18, chapter 18, there's a song that was written, and everyone's going around saying, Saul has slain the thousands, and David has slain the ten thousands, and everybody is singing the accolades about David. I mean, he's the good guy. He's the good. He's better than you, Saul. You can slay thousands, Saul, but David can slay ten thousand. And Saul was so jealous that six times Saul tries to kill David. Now, here's the kicker in all of this. Saul is the father-in-law to David. How many people would not want your, come on guys, how many people would love to have your father-in-law out to get you? Nobody lifted up their hand. And here is, here's David, his father-in-law's out to get him. In chapter 19, one day, Saul takes his spear and tries to pin David to the wall. Yeah, get rid of you, let me throw the spear. And David eludes the spear six times in Samuel. We read that Saul tries to take him down. Let's come to chapter 19. Let me read to you quickly, verse 1 to 7, and you'll see the word of protection lived out from the covenant of chapter 18. Verse 1, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. Great word. Just take down your brother-in-law. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David, verse 2, and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you, so be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding. Stay there. I'm going to go out. I'm going to stand with my father in the field. This is verse 3, where you are. And I'm going to speak to him about you. And, you're going to t- and, and I will tell you what I find out. I'm going to find out how bad this is with my dad. And I'm going to bring the word to you because I believe in you, David. Verse 4, Jonathan spoke well of David. There it is. Jonathan speaks life-giving words to Saul even when David is not present. There, there's, there's the bow illustrated there. Saul, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul's father and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He's not wronged you. What has he done? What he has done has benefited you greatly. Look at verse 5. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it, and you were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? You see the protection being lived out. You see the covenant being lived out. He's speaking words of life. Look at verse 6. Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. He didn't really mean it, but he said it. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. This is the second time you read about David and Jonathan. Number three, number three, write down the word risk. And I want to take you now to chapter 20. In chapter 20, it's an amazing story. And I'm going to explain the story, but let me, let me, as we're talking about risk, take you to verse 23. That's a great verse, and then I'll explain the story. Put, put, put 1 Samuel 20, verse 23 on the screen. Because Jonathan says to David, and about the matter you and I discussed, remember the Lord is witness between you and me forever. The ancient Hebrew actually reads the Lord is between you and me forever. What Jonathan was saying, that the covenant is kept together between you, Jonathan, Jonathan and David is kept together because the Lord is between us. 
what keeps us together in a covenant of friendship is God. You see, you're a part of the family of God. Guys, you're my brother. Ladies, you're my sister. We got our heavenly father. We are family. Come on, isn't that exciting? Come on, we are family, and we got God the Father, and we've got God between us, and he's the one that bonds us together. Could you give a little clap offering of praise to our God Almighty? Yeah. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan is trying to patch it up between Saul and David. And David's like, it's not going to work. Saul wants to kill me. Don't, don't you remember he took a spear and he threw it at me? Tried to take me down. This isn't going to go anywhere. And Jonathan says, no, 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 no. There's a new moon festival coming up. Why don't you miss it? He'll expect you to be there. Just go off to Bethlehem. But, but before you go to Bethlehem, hide behind a rock. And, and what I will do, if, if, if Saul is really mad and angry, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to take my bow. And Jonathan's a good warrior. I'm going to shoot three arrows. Cut you. And I'm going to get a young boy to run after the arrows. And you hide behind the rock. And, and if I say the arrow is near you, you're okay. Saul's not angry. But if I shout out the arrow is beyond you, run for your life. Because Saul is out to get you. It was a great plan. And so David hides behind the rock. Jonathan talks to Saul, and Saul is really angry. Let's read it. Let's pick it up in verse 35. Look at the screen. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David, and he had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, run, find the arrows I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out after him, isn't the arrow beyond you? There's the cue. Run for your life. This isn't good. And then he shouted, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. He shouts to David, get get away from that rock, run, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow, and he returned to his master. Verse 39, the boy knew nothing about all this, only Jonathan and David knew. And then verse 40, Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, go carry them back to town. And after the boy had gone... David got up from the south side of the stone, verse 41, and he bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then it says they kissed each other. Now, what does that mean? It's an ancient Hebrew way of of two guys just embracing and, you know, just, you know, I know you feel awkward when I say that. There's nothing wrong in what happened here. It wasn't lip to lip here, folks. It was them just in their culture just that, that side, like when Evelyn and I pastored in Montreal, we had a lot of Italians in our church, and we had a lot of French people in our church, and I would come home with more lipstick on my collars than you could ever imagine. I mean, the men and the ladies would just, you know, and I learned that. And I got to confess to you, until I got the, the swing of it, there was a couple of awkward moments where, you know, lip the woo, this isn't good. And, and in this culture, Jonathan and David's just, you know, they're just embracing each other. It's, it's, it's not an awkward thing here. This is a friendship. Don't read into this. And, and, and so they're embracing each other. They're hugging each other. They kissed each other. Look at the screen. And they wept together. But David wept the most. Because David knew that Saul was out to get him. And look at verse 42. Jonathan said to David, go, go in peace. The Hebrew word shalom. 
We've sworn friendship. We've cut a covenant with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me. The Lord is between. <laughs> the Lord is between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. Jonathan took a huge risk, because I tell you, when he back, got back home, I guarantee you Saul was angry at Jonathan. He took a huge risk. Now, the fourth word that I want to give you, and the final word, and I'm going to bring this together, and I believe it's going to make a lot of sense, write down the word encouragement, encouragement. And I want to take you now to 1 Samuel chapter 23. And I want to show you the last time, the last time that Jonathan and David saw each other. This is the last time. Now, between 1 Samuel chapter 20, which we just read, and 1 Samuel chapter 23 that we're about to read, it, there's, there's not weeks that went by, not even months that went by, most Bible scholars believe several years had gone by. And I want you to picture David as a fugitive, running for his life, running in the wilderness. It'd be like David running into northern Ontario to the landmass where nobody is, running through the woods, hiding, fear for his life, living like a fugitive, living in the woods, running, running for his life for years. And we're about to see the last time that Jonathan and David met, and it's dripping with symbolism, and I believe it's going to come together. I want to take you to verse 15 of 1 Samuel chapter 23. Look at the screen. Well, David was at Horus in the desert of Ziph. Now, those are places we don't know about, but it's like he's in no man's land. Hiding as a fugitive, he's at Horus, and he's in the desert of Ziph. Well, David was in Horus in the desert of Ziph. He learned that Saul had come to take his life. Now, now you might wonder, how did he learn that Saul was coming to take his life? Now, I'm not going to put this on the screen, but I want you, if you've got your Bible, to look at Psalm 54. And in just a couple of moments, I'm going to read to you Psalm 54. But, but I think I explained to you last week that Samuel gives you the history of David and the book of Psalms reveals his heart. And in Psalm 54, David wrote some words while he is hiding as a fugitive in the land of Ziph. And we learn in Psalm 54, in the words before the first verse, it says, for the director of music with string instruments, a mascal of David, when the Ziphites had gone to Saul and said, is not David hiding among us? So David is hiding in the land of Ziph, and the people of Ziph squeal on him and go to Saul and say, hey, he's hiding amongst us. Now it makes sense. So put verse 15 back on the screen. Well, David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph. He learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Now here's verse 16, and don't miss it. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David. He traveled a long ways. He left the kingly palace. 
he left the kingly palace and he went into the wilderness and he searched for his friend David who'd been running for his life for years. Probably Jonathan had not seen David for years. Jonathan had been praying for David for years. And David is running in the wilderness and the people of Ziph, the Ziphites, tell Saul, we know where he is. Come and get him. And Jonathan hears about this and before Saul can get to David, Jonathan gets to David. Now put it on the screen. And Saul's sons, Jonathan, went to David at Horash. Folks, Jonathan went to David at his lowest moment. Jonathan went to David at his most desperate moment. And note this, he helped him find strength in God. Pastor Kyle, Pastor Joe, come on up. We're going to illustrate this. You guys did okay in first service. I didn't prepare you for this. Come over here. You stand here. I need the big boys. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to be in a David position. And you feel like everything is out to get you. And you're going to feel like life is not going your way. Where are my friends? My marriage isn't working. Someone I love passed away. Got no money in the bank. Got no job. I'll never get through this. And there's some people right now in this auditorium, you're at the low moment. And you're David. And you need a Jonathan. And Jonathan finds David who's at his lowest and his weakest. I mean, David's at his lowest. David's at his weakest. There's nothing he can do. And he needs someone to lift his arms. He needs someone to strengthen his weary legs. He needs someone to pray him through this most difficult time. And, and Jonathan shows up, and it's like Jonathan picks him up. So come on, guys. I'm not going to help you at all. I got, I got no strength. barely keep my hands up. I could barely keep them in the air. But Jonathan comes alongside and holds his arms. Okay, guys, thanks. Give them a hand. They did good. You're thinking, where is he going with this? Hold tight. It's going to come together. Put verse 16 back on the screen. Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horus and helped him find strength in God. Verse 17, he said, don't be afraid. Fear can cripple you. And, and Jonathan goes to David and says, you don't have to be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul, even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horus. Jonathan showed up and strengthened David. It's like he lifted his arms. He strengthened him. 
not in himself. What did it say? He's, come on, don't miss it, don't miss it. It says, Saul's sons, Jonathan, went to David at Horsh and helped him find strength in God. Find strength in who was it? Strength in? Come on, say it louder. Help him find strength in? Come on, say it louder. I want you to get it. He helped him find strength in? Okay, now let's go to Psalm 54. And I'm going to bring this together. And Pastor Brad and worship team, come on up if you would. In Psalm 54... David writes this psalm as he's in Ziph. He's in Horus. He's in the desert. He'd been running for his life. Saul is out to get him. And the Ziphites go to Saul and say, he's in the desert here. He's in the wilderness. Come get him. And David scribes these words. Let me read it to you, verse 1. Save me, O God. Save me, God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Can you, can you resonate with that? Have you been in a dark moment where you felt all alone? Like, God, please come save me. God, please show up. God, I can't get through this. God, I don't know how I'm going to face another day. God, my heart's so aching. God, please, I need you. Hear my prayer, God. Listen to the words of my mouth. In verse 3, he said, arrogant foes are attacking me. It's like he's saying, Saul and all the soldiers are out to get me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People who have no regard for you, God. And then he said, surely, God is my help. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Here it is. Way back in 1 Samuel 18, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved David as himself. He took off his robe and he gave the robe to David. There's someone who's greater than Jonathan and his name is Jesus. And when you came to Jesus, he took off his robe of righteousness and he put it on you. Jesus is the covenant maker between what you're going through in heaven. Wow. There's going to be days you're going to feel like David. I'll feel so low. I, I can't do this. I can't make it. And I need a Jonathan to come alongside me and lift me up. I'm here to say to you, God wants us to be a Jonathan to a David. But greater than a Jonathan to David is our God to us. Because Jonathan showed up and helped David find strength in God. And I want to declare to you, when you don't think you can make it, and you don't think you can face another day, God is going to show up. I said, God is going to show up. 
And some 2,000 years ago, God cut a covenant between heaven and earth when he sent his son Jesus. Just like David and Jonathan would cut a covenant, God cut a covenant from heaven to earth and he sent his son and Jesus shed his blood and died on a cross. They put him in the grave and on the third day, he arose again. And greater than Jonathan is to David, Jesus is a brother that sticks closer than anybody else and we would be lost without our Jesus. Somebody give a little amen. I believe the Lord this morning wants to come alongside you and put a robe around you today. And he wants you to say you can trust him with what you are walking through and what you are facing. That's one more thing. Pastor Brad, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? That's why I brought you up here. Psalm 54, save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. These arrogant foes are attacking me. These ruthless people are trying to kill me. People have no regard for you. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And here's what I think happened. When I get to heaven, I'll find out if this is really how it went down. I don't know if this is really how it went down, but I'm picturing David down like this. He's at his lowest. And he's got nothing left in him, and he's been running for years. And he's in Ziph, and he's just... He's just a mess, and he's just there, and he's, he's writing these words, save me, God. Save me, God, I'm all alone. Hear my prayer, God. God, this ruthless Saul is out to get me. Please help me, God. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. I think right then, Jonathan showed up. Jonathan showed up. And Jonathan just began to lift his arms, just like Pastor Joe and Pastor Kyle lifted my arms. And it's, I, I can just picture Jonathan saying, come on, David, get on your feet. Don't fear. Don't fear. Saul is not going to kill you. You're going to be next king. Everything's going to be all right. And some of you today, it's not Saul after you, but you feel like the enemy's kicking you hard. You feel like everything's going wrong in your life. Everything is going bad. And you need, you, Jonathan came to David and said, don't have fear. Everything's going to be all right. But greater than Jonathan is our Jesus. And he's coming alongside you right now. And he's saying, don't fear. Everything's going to be all right. Now, Get on your feet, church. Get on your feet right now. You, you, you can't be seated for this next part. Trust me, you can't be seated for this next part. And I want you to write down in your notes Psalm 54, verse 6. Psalm 54, verse 6. Now, look this way. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I'm picturing Jonathan lifting David up. David, don't be afraid. Saul's not going to kill you. Everything's going to be all right, my brother. Everything's going to be all right. You know what David did in verse 6? He raised a hallelujah. He said, I will sacrifice a freewill offering to you. I, I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. So, guys, I need you again. Come on, Joe. Come on, Kyle. I need you again. Come on up. 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 David's low. God, those ruthless enemies are coming after me. God, vindicate me, God. Help me, God. Hear the cry of my heart, God. I can't do it. Jonathan, 
Jonathan lifts him up when he's got no strength. And he started to raise a hallelujah. David's, thanks guys, David's in the desert. And he's raising a hallelujah. Jesus is in the house today. And I believe the Lord is saying in this place today, symbolically, he wants to clothe you with his royal robe. He wants to say to you, everything's going to be all right. You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. I've never left you. I've never forsake you. Just like Jonathan made a covenant with David, an eternal covenant, God has made a covenant with you. And God is saying to you and I today, I was with you before the storm. I'm with you in the storm. And I'm going to be with you after the storm. So I think what we need to do today is to do what David did. we got to raise a hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together and give a clap offering of praise to our God. How many people are ready? to raise a hallelujah to God in the middle of your storm. There's some of you standing here today you're like, Mark, you don't get it. It's, I'm aching, I'm hurting, I'm low. But I'm going to raise a hallelujah in this place. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to raise a hallelujah in this place. And I believe what's going to happen as we begin to praise in the middle of the storm, something's going to break. Something's going to break. Something's going to break. Now, I'll tell you right now, if you want to leave where you're standing in the middle of this worship moment and come and stand at the front, you're welcome to do that. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But Bradley, come on, buddy. Lead us in this song. Come on, worship team. Come on, musicians. Come on, come on. Jesus is in the house today. Amen. And he is coming alongside you right now. And we're going to raise a hallelujah. Mark, I'm going through stuff. I don't like it, but I'm going to raise a hallelujah in this place today. I'm in my lowest moment, but I'm going to raise a hallelujah in this place today. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Mark, there's sickness in my body. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Mark, I lost a loved one. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Mark, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. So come on, Woodbell, front to back, side to side. If you're sitting in your house right now on your couch watching, live streaming, get off your couch in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands. Let's begin right now. Come on, Woodbell. Let's raise a hallelujah in this place.
can walk out of this place today feeling the heaviness, the burden, the weight, the problem. Or you can walk out of this place today feeling the freedom that can only come from God Almighty. And I say it from personal experience. There is strength in God. There is strength in God. There is strength in God. And I'm here to declare today that God is in the place today. He's cutting a covenant, if you will. And he is pouring out strength. And he's just saying to you, open your heart. I want to give you strength. Some of you are feeling so weak, so down, so discouraged. Open your heart. Let the strength of God come in one more time before we close. Can we sing again? Can we sing again? Can we sing a hallelujah? Can you just feel free to right now? Maybe you've never done this before. Feel free to lift up your hands. Feel free, but, but just give him praise. Just give him praise. Let's raise a hallelujah in this place today. sometimes you're going to be a David. There's sometimes you're going to be a Jonathan. But I want to call you to be a Jonathan to a David. There's a number of years ago, I learned a hard lesson. A colleague of mine called me up and I said, I was thinking of you last week. I was going to give you a call. And he said, why didn't you? Why didn't you? You see, that very moment that he came to my mind, he was walking through something. And sometimes you think it's just a name coming to your head. I think it's God putting someone in your heart that you need to reach out to. And I I just want to challenge you, be 
a Jonathan to a David. Write someone an email. Call them up. Just say, I'm praying for you. Just come alongside. Take someone out for coffee. Just, just be there. If we're going to be the church, we got to do life together, and we need to be with each other in our difficult moments. Amen? So can we be a Jonathan to a David? If you, if you can have a witness to that, give a little clap offering to God right now. Amen? Be, be a Jonathan to a David. Now, just before we go, could you bow your heads and close your eyes? I, I can't close the service without asking this question, and it's simple, but it's an honest question. If today was the day that you stepped into eternity, do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven? Because heaven is real. You will live for eternity. The question is, where will you spend eternity? The Bible says 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus cut that covenant when he died for our sins. And the way to an eternal life in heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Coming to church is great. We should do it, but it doesn't get you to heaven. Giving an offering is great, but it doesn't get you to heaven. Reading your Bible is great, doesn't get you to heaven. Being a good person is great, doesn't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is asking Christ to come into your life, repenting and receiving, confessing him as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you've never done that before, and you think, I'm a great person, I'm a good person, I think, I I, I hope I'm going to heaven. But before we go, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer of receiving Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd like to be included and led in this prayer to have Christ in the center of your life, I just want you, after I count to three, to lift your hand. And by lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I, I want to be included and led in that prayer. So let's do this. One, two, three. If that's you, you just lift your hand and you put it down after you lift it up. Hands are going up all across this place. God bless you. Put your hands down. And if you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer, and we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life, please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I make my peace with you. I repent of my sin. I confess you as my Savior and Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.